Welcome to the Every Nation New Jersey podcast. Every Nation is a Bible-believing, multi-ethnic, non-denominational church hoping to transform the world one life at a time. We hope you enjoy this podcast. Hey, good morning, Every Nation New Jersey. God bless you. PA here. Pastor Adam Burt, and I'm so excited that you would spend your Sunday morning here with us at Every Nation New Jersey. And I'm excited about today's message. We're we're continuing our study through the book of 1 Corinthians. Uh, We've just called it A Beautiful Mess. And so before we get into our text this morning, I'd like to start with a a little story, fascinating story. It's the story of Stephen Flagg uh, and Christine Talladay. And so uh, Stephen Flagg, who's actually a a 22-year-old young man uh, that worked at Lowe's uh, in, in Michigan. And uh, he, he worked there, and, and something you need to know about Stephen Flagg, that, that as an infant, uh, his biological mom put him up for adoption. And so kind of uh, he was adopted by the Flagg family and, and was loved. And, and so, but but uh, he always wondered who his mother was. And so uh, Stephen uh, Flagg, that by the time he turned 18, uh, he decided to go on a, a pursuit to find out who his real mom was, and so uh, so he began to do research, and and he would he would punch in um, uh, the the information uh, the the name into a database, and um, just kept coming up with zeros, right, until he realized for several years he actually was spelling his biological mom's name wrong. And so uh, uh, come to find out that um, uh, that Christine Talladay actually uh, lived one mile away from where Stephen Flagg worked at, at the Lowe's office. And so he was excited and ecstatic. He had found his biological mom. Now he needed to know how to approach her. And so in his excitement and his enthusiasm, he told his boss at, the, the, at his uh, Lowe's uh, place where he worked. And so the boss said, did you say her name was Christine Talladay? And he says, yeah. He says, uh, you mean Christine, the head cashier uh, at our Lowe's uh, hardware store here? And so here's what's amazing, that, that the one that had given him life was with him all this time, and he just never knew it. I think we have an image of, of Christine and, and Stephen Flagg, and, and I say all that to say this. You know, for, for many of you this morning, um, this is either going to be uh, an introduction or a reunion, because uh, I want to introduce you or reintroduce you to the Holy Spirit And so the Holy Spirit is the one uh, who gives you life and it is here dwelling with you. And so, uh, um, uh, you know, that in in the body of Christ, George Barna, they're they're pollsters and they polled evangelical Christians. And and really to everyone's alarm, do you know that that 60 percent of evangelical Christians, that they they don't really believe that that the Holy Spirit is a person? Um, that they just think it's it's a it's a metaphor for love or for peace, and it couldn't be further from the truth or more unbiblical. Like the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead. Like the Holy Spirit's it's not some uh, impersonal force like Star Wars or something like that. And and in the, the Holy Spirit's not a metaphor, but the Holy Spirit he displays all the aspects of personhood. Like it says that the, the Holy Spirit can be grieved. I mean, you, you can't grieve electricity or a force. Um, it says this, that the Holy Spirit has a will, uh, that the, the Holy Spirit has a mind. And so we see that the Holy Spirit 
uh, is a person who dwells inside of you and wants to know you and walk in relationship with you. Do you know that he's called the helper and the counselor? It's, it's God's gift uh, to us here on earth. And, and so the Holy Spirit's been given us that we might have this dynamic, life-giving relationship and walk with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so this morning, Paul in 1 Corinthians is going to let us know this, that we have the mind of Christ because we have the Spirit of Christ dwelling uh, inside of us. And so we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and and we're going to take a look at verses 11 to 16, but it's going to take me a little while to get there, all right? Because I want to give you some context uh, to this verse we're going to read about the Holy Spirit in the book of 1 Corinthians. And so let me take you all the way back to the beginning of time, Genesis chapter 1. And it says this, uh, that the earth was formless and void. But but the, the Godhead went to work and began to create. And so the Godhead took what was formless and void, and now he begins to form and fill it with life. And so God, he forms uh, the land and the dry ground, and then what? He fills it with life. That he forms the oceans and the seas, and then he fills it with life. That he forms the skies, uh, and he fills it with life. And in the same way, man, that God, it says that he forms humanity from the very dust of the earth. And then it says that he breathes into him the very breath of life. Uh, it's the Hebrew word, the ruach. It means the wind uh, or the breath. And it's the animating spirit of God that, that brought uh, humanity uh, into being. The life of God, something of the life of God dwelling uh, on the inside of mankind. And, and Adam and Eve walked with God in this convergent space called Eden. Uh, it, it was convergent in this where heaven and earth were knit together in this place called Eden, and Adam and Eve would walk with God or have intimate fellowship with God in this garden until Genesis chapter 3, and sin is introduced into the cosmos, and and that convergent space, suddenly where heaven and earth were together, it was just ripped in two uh, because of sin. Adam and Eve are thrust out of Eden, out from the presence of God, and get this something of the breath of God died on the inside of humanity. Um, Romans chapter 1 would say it this way, that, that our foolish hearts began to grow dark and dark. And so um, uh, something died inside of the heart of man in Genesis chapter 3. And um, so, so, but God in his goodness and his mercy, he would make a way uh, for mankind to once again uh, walk with God. And so God would create, make a way through these sacred spaces, um, through the sacrifice of an innocent one, uh, that by the shedding of innocent blood, it could make a way or atone for the presence of God to meet with man. And so we read uh, in the book of Exodus, where Moses, he, he met with God in something called the tent of meeting or the tabernacle. Um, did you know that the tabernacle, uh, God was very uh, uh, precise in how he wanted the tabernacle to look because it was to look like the Garden of Eden, convergent space. And there Moses met with God and spoke with God face to face. 
And then uh, years later, uh, Solomon, Solomon uh, in Israel, and, and the, the capital of Israel, Jerusalem, would build God a temple. And in the center of that temple was sacred space. It was called the most holy place. And it's where the presence of God would meet. And one time a year, one man, the high priest, was allowed to enter in to the most holy space. And, and, and they, he would, that high priest would go in and he would atone uh, for the sins of man. Uh, it's the Jewish holiday uh, we just celebrated this week called Yom Kippur, or the Day of Atonement. And it's when the high priest would go and, and make atonement for the sins of mankind through the shedding of the blood of an innocent one, of a lamb of God. Think of this, when you think of atonement, think at one meant that, that through the sacrifice, they're trying to bring uh, this convergent space again where God and humanity can dwell together. And so, um, so after the building of the temple, stick with me now, a thousand years later, that there would be a man born of a virgin without sin. His name is Jesus or Emmanuel, God with us. And he would live the perfect life, walk in perfect communion in obedience to God. Uh, and then he would go uh, to the cross. Uh, and on that cross, he would die and pay the penalty for our sin. His innocent blood, what making atonement uh, for our sins at the cross. And, and all our sins were covered, past, present, and future. And, and Jesus would cry out, it is finished. And do you know when Jesus spoke those words on the cross, it is finished. Um, it says this, that the veil in the most holy place, that veil that separated God from humanity, it, it, listen, it weighed three tons. It was four inches thick. Uh, thick. Uh, it was 30 feet wide and 60 feet high. It's the scripture says this, that when Jesus screams, it is finished, that that veil was ripped from the top to the bottom. And it would signify this, that now there is no barrier between God and man. And, and um, on the third day, Jesus would raise from the dead and he would let us know once for all eternity, I've made a way for you to be reconciled uh, back to God. And so um, it's funny, as, as, as I'm just remembering and going through, man, the history uh, in, in, in Old Testament uh, uh, history and the gospel, I was reminded of C.S. Lewis's famous "The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe." Like, like, do you remember uh, this uh, this this allegorical um, uh, book? And I was so excited when they brought it to the big screen, man. And for those of you not familiar with it, it's it's "The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe." It's an allegory of the gospel, and they they have this magnificent uh, lion figure called Aslan. It, it's, it's, he's supposed to be like the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is a Christ, the Christ figure in it. And I, and I can remember, I, I went to this movie with my, with my young daughter, Cassie, and I think I was more geeked up to see it than she was. And, and as we're watching this movie, Aslan agrees to die in the place of sinful humanity. And so as he ascends to this altar and these evil beasts uh, and, and this, this, this wicked witch, uh, she's going she's gonna to kill Aslan once and for all. 
And so there's this, this horrid scene as, as, as the, the witch raises the knife and there's this chanting going on and you see uh, the poor cat Aslan who's been, his, rain, uh, his um, mane has been ripped out and as he's suffering, the witch plunges the knife in and, and, what? and then Aslan breathes his last breath and he dies. And man, I can remember seeing that, and, and I just start violently sobbing in the theater, like crying, just so, like, just ugly cry. I remember I look at my young daughter, she looks at me, and she's like, hey, get it out of the ditch, man, get a hold of yourself, it's just a movie. <laughs> but, but man, I was just so overcome because I, I knew what it meant. And, and then the movie, as, as it focuses in on, on Aslan's lifeless body, sitting on a, on a stone uh, tablet, um, suddenly the, 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 uh, the, the, the uh, camera pans away and you hear this thunderous crack and what the stone tablet that, that um, the body of Aslan was on, it split in two and Aslan was gone. He was resurrected again. Does that sound familiar to anybody? And then I love, I love what they say. Aslan explains what took place. And this is from uh, C.S. Lewis's The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. He said, Aslan says this, though the witch knew the deep magic, there is a magic deeper still, which she did not know. Her knowledge goes back only to the dawn of time. But if she could have looked a little further back into the stillness and the darkness before time dawn, she would have read there's a different incantation. She would have known that when a willing victim who had committed no treachery was killed in a traitor's stead, the table would crack and death itself would start working backwards, right? And, and then if you didn't think it got any better, then Aslan was on the move and Aslan would go throughout Narnia and there was these dead, lifeless stone creatures that their souls had been taken from them by the evil witch and Aslan, the great cat, he would go up to these lifeless figures. He would look into them and he would he breathed upon them. And when the breath of Aslan penetrated these lifeless beings, they began to be reanimated, recreated, and they came back to life. Which leads me to John chapter 20, verses 20 to 22. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Like, like through the cross of Christ, we got our breath back. The Ruach, the breath of God. The life-giving, animating Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit on the inside of us. In fact, later on in the book of Corinthians, Paul's going to say this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. He says that you and I are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Like, like here's what that means. That, that, that you and I, we are never, ever alone. It's why Jesus can say this. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Why? Because the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, dwells on the inside of us. Here's what else that means. Do you know that all the wisdom of God, 
all the creativity of God, all the beauty of God, that that potential resides on the inside of us because the Holy Spirit of God resides on the inside of us. Do you know this, that just like the Spirit of God at creation was, was creating beautiful creation out of chaos, so too the Holy Spirit is recreating things on the inside of your heart and of your life. Uh, the prophet Ezekiel will say it a little bit different. In Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26, he says this, And I will give you a new heart, and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh, and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statutes, and be careful to obey my rules. Man, that the Holy Spirit has been placed in us through the cross of Christ, the Ruach, the wind of God, and now we're getting a new heart. Now now we're learning to love what Jesus loves and hate what Jesus hates. That, That we're learning how to once again, just like Eden, to walk with God in his word and in his ways. And so, like, like, let me use this as an example. Like, like the Apostle Peter, can we agree? Like that dude just never gets it right until Jesus breathes upon him and says, receive the Holy Spirit. Like, uh, I, like in, you know, in John chapter 19, it's, it's the Last Supper and Jesus humbles himself, setting a, an example for us to serve one another. And Jesus begins to wash the disciples' feet. But do you remember what happens? Like Jesus gets to Peter and, and Peter's like, hey, no way, Lord, get away from me. You're not going to wash my stinky feet. And Jesus says, hey, if I don't wash your feet, then you have no part with me. And so what does Peter do? He swings the pendulum all the way the other way. Lord, not just my feet, but wash my head and my hands, hey, my whole body and all that. And Jesus is like, Peter, you know. <laughs> and then how about that, that same night, Jesus, he lets his disciples know, all of you are going to betray me this night. But what does Peter do? He bows up. Nope, not me, Lord. I'll never die. I'll never deny you. In fact, I'll give my life for you. <laughs> And we know the rest of the story. Just a few hours later, he would deny Jesus three times, uh, once even to a little girl, right? And and then just to put a bow on the top of dysfunctional Peter, that uh, Jesus is arrested. And do you remember what Peter does? He just kind of bows up. He pulls a sword. And do you remember what happens? He chops off one of the arresting officer's ears and a lobe just falls to the ground. And and Jesus kind of pauses, looks at this lobe on the ground, and he's like, seriously, Peter, put your sword away. And he has to put the guy's ear back on, right? And so we just see Peter just never gets it right until the breath of God comes to Peter. And do you recall what begins to happen? Like, like things start to make sense to Peter. He's now, by the power of the Holy Spirit, beginning to connect the dot, put all the pieces together, and he's starting to get it. Until uh, we remember in Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, like the Holy Spirit fills the, the upper room. And in this moment of chaos, people speaking in other tongues and, and the wind blowing, and in fact, people on the streets They accuse the disciples of being drunk. They're like, hey, this chaos, y'all are drunk. And and Peter says, hey, I know what this is. Let me explain it to you. And I can imagine the disciples just gasped. Oh, no, what's Peter going to say now? And get this, he nails it. 
the Spirit of God is orchestrating, putting things together, making things clear to Peter. And now he starts to explain uh, the day of Pentecost, the gospel and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he begins to pull verses from the, the prophet Joel, from the book of Psalms. And he starts explaining and painting uh, this compelling picture of the gospel. And when he was finished, the Bible's crystal clear. 3,000 people were added to the church that day. It's the dynamic power of walking in the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit that dwelt in Peter dwells in you and I. You know that, don't you? Like, like, like you and I didn't get some kind of B-team Holy Spirit from Marshalls or TJ Maxx, you know, some outlet version of the Holy Ghost. We have the spirit that dwelt in Peter and the disciples, these men that turned the world upside down. That same Holy Spirit dwells in you and dwells in me if you know Jesus Christ this day. And so we have the Ruach of God. And now we're ready for 1 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, verses uh, 11 through 16. So uh, let, let me read it for you. Starting in verse 11, um, Paul says this, For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. And so uh, this should make perfect sense to us. Like like we can't fully know a person unless we know the spirit of a person. Isn't that true? Like like we can all fake the funk a little bit. And I remember uh, I had to go out to a a business dinner with uh, my wife's boss and and her family. And and it was kind of like a kind of a fancy thing. I'm kind of a blue collar guy, you know, and I'm, I'm extremely uncomfortable, but I'm playing the game, man. I'm laughing and smiling and, and chit-chatting doing that. And, and so I was pulling it off. But can I just shoot you straight? Inside, in my spirit, do you know what I was thinking? God, I want to go home. How long do I have to keep pretending? Uh, can, when can I leave and this not appear rude, right? And, and listen, don't judge me because we've all done that. Because no one could know uh, the, the, the mind of a man except for what the spirit of a man. And we have the spirit of God on the inside of us. Verse 12, Paul goes on and he says, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. And so again, remember, just like the pieces were falling into place for Peter, so too you and I, because the Spirit of God dwells on the inside of us, he is starting to let us know the things that God has freely given to us in the gospel. And uh, I I brought this uh, for you today. This is my very first Bible my mom got for me. I think I was like 12 years old when when she bought it for me. And it's, it's hilarious for me. As I open up this Bible and I have I have all these notes I wrote in the Bible. And uh, can I tell you something? I read the notes and they're ridiculous. <laughs> like, like I can't even begin to tell you how wrong I was uh, in reading some of the scriptures. I mean, some of the stuff is just, yeah, that's not right. That's not right. That's probably heresy. <laughs> and yet, in the goodness of God, that, that he was patient and he began to slowly, man, b- begin to get the picture of the gospel become more and more and more clear. And I promise you, the Holy Spirit is going to do that uh, for you as well. He goes on in verse 13 and says this, 
And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So what Paul is saying here, if you don't have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, man, the gospel is going to look foolish. Um, like, like you're going to think the ways of God are insane. Like love your enemies. Why on earth would I do that? Um, like the, the scripture would say this, Hey, you want to be great? Serve everybody else. What? Why would I do that? Right? See the, the man that doesn't possess the spirit of God. It's foolishness. He can't understand because he's spiritually discerned. And then verse 15 Uh, Paul says this, the spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So remember, this is what Paul's saying, because like we can have the mind of Christ because we have the spirit of Christ on the inside of us. We can know Jesus' thoughts, his words and his ways, his mind, because the spirit of Christ dwells uh, on the inside of us. And so uh, I desperately want us at Every Nation New Jersey to be a people that have a dynamic faith where it's not just on a Sunday morning, but, but as we go through our day, through our week, through our months, through our years, we have this dynamic relationship with the spirit of Christ and this communion with the Godhead, it is available to us. But here's what I want to do, and here's where the warning label of today's message goes on, okay? Like, like I see that there's two errors when we talk about hearing uh, the voice of the Holy Spirit. And here's what those two errors are. This is the warning label for this morning. And so, so number one, like there's some of you, uh, you have no confidence that you have the ability to hear from God. And I want to tell you this, you have ears to hear because the Spirit of God dwells on the inside of you. But I also know this, that there's some of you are way too overconfident that you hear the Word of God so perfectly and so pristinely. And so I I love what Martin Luther said, the great Protestant reformer. He says, uh, humanity is is like a drunk guy trying to ride a horse. Uh, He gets up on it, falls off to the right side, gets back up, and then he overcompensates and what? Falls over on the left side, right? And, And that's what we tend to do. And so I want us to thread the needle here. And so for those of you that struggle hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit, uh, I want to give you like three quick tips and ways you can sharpen your ears to hear. Uh, I'm totally ripping these off from a guy by the name of Jack Deere. He wrote the book, uh, Surprised by the Holy Spirit. And so let me, let me give you three ways that you can sharpen your hearing from the Holy Spirit's voice. Here, here's the first thing is this. Be available. Be available. Do you know in your Old Testament, one of the greatest prophets ever was, was a young man by the name of Samuel. And Samuel was learning how to hear the voice of God. And, and he was busying himself and scurrying around. And then he was, he was told to do this, just to, to slow down, create space, and let the Lord know this. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And so we need to make seasons and times we're available where we just we, we unplug ourselves from the busyness of life and we listen. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And it's, it's amazing as we create space 
to listen to God, um, how we become more familiar with the Holy Spirit's voice. Uh, in fact, I'll talk to you moms. Like, I think you moms are unbelievable out there. Like, like you have this supernatural force from God to, to be able to un- understand, like, baby talk. Do you know this? Like, like I see this, some, like, this one new mom. She's in there, and, and the baby is crying, and she's like, oh, he's hungry. And then he cries again, and it sounds like, oh, I'm like, he's hungry again. Oh, no, he's sleepy. And I'm like, okay. And then he cries again, and it sounds exactly the same to me. And I'm like, is he hungry or sleepy? And he's like, no, he's mad. <laughs> and so I'm like, how do you know this? Uh, she says this, uh, you know, to me it sounds all the same. She says, oh, uh, me and my son, we spend a lot of time together. And as you start spending a lot of time together with the Holy Spirit, you start to discern his voice. So number one is be available. Number two is this, be obedient. Be obedient. You know, it says this, Jesus, he said, I only uh, say what I hear my father say, and I only do what I see my father do. Like, like Jesus was sublimely obedient to the father. And I'm guessing he heard the voice of God pretty well. And, um, and, and for the record, like if you're not going to obey God, why on earth would he waste his time speaking to you if, if he's already spoken to you and you're not going to obey him anyways? Like go waste somebody else's time. And so be obedient to what you already know to do. And I promise you, God will speak more uh, for you as you're obedient. And then number three is this, to, to be humble. Be humble. So uh, it's funny, as, uh, as young parents, my wife and I were, we were trying to get our daughters to sleep in their own bed, and they, they wouldn't. So this one night, uh, we we're watching them as they're, they're laying in bed together. And my two young daughters, like they're facing one another, and they had one of these precious moments. Mom and Dad, do you know what these are? Like, like we're spying on our daughters, and our youngest daughter, Lizzie, looks into the face of her older sister, Cassie, and she says, Cassie, I want you to know I really really love you. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's the most beautiful thing I've ever heard, right? And then my oldest uh, daughter, she looks back in the face of her little sister and she says, Lizzie, you know what? I really love you too, but your breath really smells and I need you to roll over. <laughs> and so so I say that to say this, is um, do you know that, that pride stinks in the nostrils of God? Do you know that they're, that they're just like my daughters were, were speaking face to face, like, like God loves humility. It says in your Old Testament that Moses was the most humble man who ever lived, and yet he had these moments where God chose to speak with him face to face. And so, uh, so uh, be, be, uh, be available, be obedient, and be humble. And so, um, and now I need to address those that you might be just a little too overconfident that you hear the voice of God. And I just say this uh, as a pastor, I, Ben, please believe and know God wants to speak to you, but uh, don't trust yourself all the time. And John will say it this way in 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. He says, Beloved, don't uh, believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are from God. Don't trust all the spirits or the voices you're hearing in your mind. Uh, you do know that you do hear voices in your head. You realize that, right? And, and if you're arguing in your head right now, you're just proving my point. <laughs> yeah, there's all kinds of voices going on in this muddied, muddled. We have to discern, hey, who's speaking? Is it my mind? Is it the flesh? Is it the devil? Uh, or is it the Holy Spirit? 
And so we have to be able to discern these things, but God has not left us without help. Um, He's given us a way to sift or to test the spirit. And the number one way we do it is by the word of God. That, that whatever is where these voices we're hearing on our head, that the way you discern out the Spirit of God is through the Word of God. It will always align with the Word of God. And number two, uh, the gift that God gives you is the church. Other godly men and women, biblical community that we can share. Hey, I feel like the Holy Spirit is speaking this to me. What do you think, right? And so we get to bounce things off one another. And, and so I, I just want to I want to close with this. This is my deep, deep hope for us at Every Nation New Jersey. I pray this, that we'd be a biblically serious people and a spiritual people that are fully alive to the dynamic move of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. And so um, listen, this morning I want to pray Like maybe you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to remind you that Christ some 2,000 years ago went to the cross, died on behalf of your sins, and he rose again to let you know I've made a way that you can be reconciled back to God. And if you'd like to receive the Lord Jesus Christ, man, just just take a, a moment right now and just say, Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Savior and be my Lord. May your spirit come and fill me today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. And listen, um, there may be some of you that, that you're like, oh Lord, I want to have a dynamic relationship with the Holy Spirit and the Father and the Son. And, and you just want ears to hear. And I'm gonna pray for you this morning. I pray Almighty God, maybe you wanna just, just touch your ears this morning. And I just pray, Father, Lord, that you would touch the spiritual ears of men and women uh, that are watching and that are hungry to hear your voice Uh, in a more and more clear way. Lord, give them ears to hear, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, listen, God bless you, every nation, New Jersey. God loves you. Um, The sermon's over, but we're not quite finished. I want to remind you that you can be faithful in your tithing and your giving. A tithe simply means a tenth. And we believe that that of all God gives to us in our finances, that, that we give back a tenth to him as a form of obedience and a form of worship. But he promises and assures us that he's going to care for us and open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that there's not room enough to receive it. And so there's three ways you can be faithful in your tithing and your giving. You can go to our website, encnj.org, and just hit the giving icon. Or you can give via text if you just text the letters ENCNJ to the number 77977. Or you can, as always, mail in uh, your check or money order right here to our church offices at 101 Gibraltar Drive, right here in Morris Plains, New Jersey. And may God richly bless you as you give. Every nation, Jesus loves you. And I think you're pretty amazing too. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to the Every Nation, New Jersey podcast. For more information on our church, or if you'd like to give a financial gift, just go to our website, emcnj.org.